Today, we're going to tell a little story. Activity in New York in acting land. Hello and welcome to Hug and a High Five. It's a mom and daughter podcast journal. I'm Ingrid. I'm the daughter. And I'm Vicki. I'm the mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm trying to figure out how to parent an adult and live as an adult who is more than a parent. I live in New York City. And I live in Los Angeles. And this is Hug and a High Five. Hello, Ingrid. Hi, Mom. Today, we're going to tell a little story. Activity in New York in acting land. A little a little life update. We used to do life updates like every month, which I guess that would mean that was because a lot more happened in the first year of living in New York as far as like differences in my life go. Mm-hmm. What happened to you recently, Ingrid? Well, my life update for this week is that... Uh, I got to be in a commercial. Woohoo! A live or was it via Zoom? It was live. <laughs> I got a a live commercial gig uh as a paid actor, which is very exciting and really gave me quite a bit of hope because I figured that um because of a pandemic, yeah. I would just not really do anything this year acting-wise, and that was really encouraging to know that there were things out there, and um, I had a really great time. That's exciting. Can you tell me more about it? Did you wear a mask? Right. So this uh, commercial was for a medical company, <laughs> which is, I think, what most of the work is going to be this year. Interesting, um, yes. Local or national? Local. Tri-state area. Mm-hmm. Most of the auditions that I find are like health spots, wear your mask things, and those. So this was, it filmed in Pennsylvania. So my first challenge was trying to get to Scranton, Pennsylvania. (laughs) Scranton, that's kind of a famous place. Home of the office, yes. (laughs) Um, We were actually like kind of outside of Scranton, but um, that's the closest larger town that of course everyone knows the name of now. Yeah. And, um... It would have Did taken it look like the office. Oh uh, well, we didn't. We just kind of like I kind of drove drove through it, so I can't no. actually tell you. <laughs> I did look up. <laughs> we didn't have time for like sightseeing. It was kind of a long day, but I looked up just in case, um, like things to do in Scranton, and there were plenty of office sites, office site type things, you know, that they've recreated or whatever. I don't know. Um, for a little tourist attraction. That's fun. Yeah, so I really was only able to go because, or yeah, to do it because my roommate has family in Pennsylvania. Oh. Not really close, but they have a car. So that that was the first thing because I looked up, you know, how to get there otherwise. And it was like three, it would have been like three hours-ish by car. Right. And therefore $300 on Lyft. <laughs> which is more than I was making to begin with. Mm. And then um, the bus kind of took you on a big roundabout route, and that would have taken me five hours. Good grief. Um, and I knew I had to be there early in the morning, so that just would not have worked. Thank goodness for my roommate's family. They were really generous. I bussed out to their house and spent the night and then um, took a car from there hmm. to go. So, so that was your first big uh, commercial shoot, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been on filmed shoots before, but they always are from like 
connections we have from other people. Either it's student films or something like that that I've done at school. Mm. Or we've we've done, we meaning my sisters and I, <laughs> our family, <laughs> have done a number of smaller things based on dad's connections. Um, but they're recordings usually, right? Well, yeah, I've, I've done um, filmed stuff for like promos with his current job Mm. and I've done lots of like voiceover kind of stuff with different connections he had at Nashville etc but because those are always like beginning with a sort of like business friend connection Mm -hmm. there's something far more casual about it even if it is a professional setting Mm -hmm. Um, and this time it was just like straight up no one knew me and I came up to this professional site so um, so really how cool. does it go? Around. You walk in at five in the morning, seven in the morning and look around and the, does anyone look at you and say, oh, I recognize you from your headshot. Or do you say, uh, what are you doing here? And they right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this because of the pandemic, especially they had so many health things set uh, in order. So before we actually even could walk on to set. Oh, did they do use I the had... forehead thermometer? They did, but actually before that, even I sat in my car and took a survey on an app oh. that was then sent to them. Said you can't come into our like site until that has been done. So I like, you know, I said no, I don't have any of these symptoms, etc. I understand the protocol. I wore my mask in, um, and then I kind of walked up to the group and found the um, health adv- advisor. I don't know, paramedic. They've been hired to be there for the day and he took my temperature and the woman writing down our temperatures was like oh hi Ingrid and I was like that's the first person I you? knew you hello she said I've been staring at her headshot all week oh that's fun so yeah she was in a uh, assistant of some sort and that was my first check-in and then uh we sat around for a long long time hmm um, How many people I were had, in the crew or cast? Um, so, the, well, there were two main characters in the cast. Um, uh, a man and his dog. Mm. And then it was, like, just per many co- a commercial, he's, like, walking through town and meets all his favorite friends and, like, you know. The oh, way the it's a beautiful day work. in the neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so there were a street. whole bunch of, like, little day players like me who just came in. For their little scene, you know. Mm. Um, I I played a florist, so I had a little flower shop. Oh, that's and, fun. And... Um, How poetic. Yeah, it's... So I, I had... We got there... I got there at like 7.30 and then um, waited around. I think I got called over at like 11. Hmm. So between then, I hadn't really brought much to do, which is funny of me. I usually always do. But that's okay. Um, there are people to chat with, and I had a podcast to listen to. You know, it's fine. Do you have your mask on all that time you were waiting? Right. Yes. Mask on the whole time, dis- physically distanced the whole time. Were you f- uh, s- s- sitting outside or inside? It was rather hot. Thankfully, they their like staging area was um, be- actually at like their local train station of this very small town. Hmm. So it had a little sort of lobby inside with all of the visitors, maps, etc. Um, that had air conditioning. So I I didn't, because I didn't know what to do, you know, it was my first time and I 
I felt very green, as they say in the industry. Mm. Um, I felt very new and like, there's, it's easy to have imposter syndrome and those things. So mm. I didn't want to sit inside very long because I wanted to make sure I heard when I was called and knew where I had to be, whatever. Um, but after a few hours, I started to sort of settle down and recognize that this wasn't the filming set. That was like two blocks down. I sort of like pieced things together as I heard other people talk to each other. Mm. Um and they're already working with the main characters over there, et cetera, and whatever. So um, they finally called my name to look at costume stuff, and they'd asked me to bring one outfit of my own, but they had a ton of outfits for me to wear. And So I went down to the set and got my makeup done. That's fun. Which is cool. Sat in a chair. Yeah, that was – so at that point, they had me take my mask off, but the um, – makeup artist had both a mask and a face shield on Mm. and he was like usually I'm very chatty and friendly but I'm actually not supposed to talk to you right now so that we don't like exchange breath when I'm this close to you wow so I was like great okay (laughs) thank you um so that was a good precaution Hmm. and um they had this this commercial was being filmed and so as many are um by a production team that had been hired by the medical center so they did both, um, it, we, both people were there. They, we had the director of the production team and then representatives from the client mm-hmm. as well. And so by the time I was put in what we decided was my, was like our favorite costume choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I went out and stood in front of like six, uh, sort of middle-aged professionals and they uh did a whole bunch of well I don't know if she should look like this and whatever and it was a little bit weird it was my first experience of stories that Jenna Fisher has in her book quite a bit Uh. about like sort of being a commodity all of a sudden Mm -hmm. um because they've talked like I wasn't there for a while and just like looked me up and down like well is this what we want her to look like and she's way younger than the other guys so like do we want her to be young or or elevate her a little bit or like all the you know all these types of things so it it was a good moment of like okay this is not about me this is all a character and then one of them finally very kindly was like oh we do know you're here I'm sorry we're talking like that we're just it's just a character thing and I was like oh yes I know you know thank you and that was really kind of just mention it right yeah (laughs) that way to just to confirm my um my self-talk what is the you said Jenna Fisher? She played the Pam in the office. Oh yeah, actually, uh, coincidentally, also a Scranton member. <laughs> is this a Scranton story? Uh, right. So how did she? But they didn't film the office in Scranton, right? No, they didn't. They no. probably did. They film. They it filmed in, it in L.A. I was gonna say, was it L.A.? Yeah. A, a, a yeah. Office park in Thousand Oaks. She, um, yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, <laughs> she wrote a book that I read most, actually I haven't finished it, but I read most of it my very first year in New York here, um, called The Actor's Life, or An Actor's Life, Hmm. and uh, it's just story after story, it's super helpful, I highly recommend it, because it's like two, like one part textbook, one part life stories, Hmm. so there's whole chapters on the best lies to tell your survival boss so that you can go to an audition without getting fired (laughs) and 
the best things about uh, headshots and what it's like to find a manager, all those things. Mm. But then within it is like lots of her very specific stories. Um, and she has one actually one chapter on similar to what we talked about last week, sort of body image stuff Mm. and, um, told some really powerful stories about when she was cast in such and such a role and, um, put on this like very lean diet with a dietitian who cooked her food every day. And, um, because they had hired a specific person to, um, hand make the, you know, show stopping costume. And mm. then she had a, a like mental breakdown right with the, before the day of that scene, she was like, I cannot eat another chicken breast. And so she bought herself a cheeseburger and a milkshake. And then she couldn't fit into this handmade costume the next day. Oh my and they gosh. had to do something else, and this costumer didn't have her work scene in the show, and it's just like the shame heaped upon Jenna because of this one break in her ma- mind, you know, where she was like, "I get it, like I get why so many actors have eating disorders." I, this is it's so quickly tied to your worth in the show or in the project. Well, that is interesting because your body is a commodity. And that is interesting when you're thinking about the costumer wanting to have their work seen in the show. Right. We we faced that in high school where your friend made a costume that was supposed to be in the show stopping scene. And the director changed it to not be the show stopping costume. Costume. And yeah, then she's really like, hurtful. the costumer said, this is going on my resume this way. This is what I, why I made it. Why was it changed? I need it right. changed back. This is what you agree. I agreed to. Wow. You had to be your own yeah. advocate there. You do. And it's just a good reminder that, I mean, so often we talk about theater as the collaborative one and that TV and film are a lot more specific and they are specific in different ways, but it's still people. You know, and everyone is really vital. Mm-hmm. So it was really helpful. Um, thank you, Jenna Fisher, <laughs> for that story in my mind. As in this very small moment, that was just them deciding whether they wanted me in a dress or pants. Um, and what did and you end picked up a dress? Being, oh, a dress. And um, with an apron. Then we did the scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a very it, like kind of quirky, like checked dress, but like flower apron and. Um, eccentric florist. Yeah. Did you get to arrange yeah. flowers? So my one move was to walk with the flower pot from the door to the edge of the flowers and set it down and pet the dog. <laughs> That's funny. We did that for two hours. <laughs> so you walked across holding a pot of flowers to a flower bed. Yeah. And then, um, said pet the dog and said hi to the person and it was so Ooh, fun. You had a little speaking part. Well, so yeah, it's it was a totally voiced over commercial. Oh, but we had to have a conversation so it looked, you know, real. Yeah, and that part was really fun because it was just improv. It was what I'm good at. It was just like theater improv. Yay! And I've done quite a bit of improv, including like improv shows, you know, comedy shows, which I'm not very good at. But in a comedy improv show, like Whose Line? You need two people. You need the person to figure out the characters and, like, create enough of a scene. And then you need the punchline. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. cannot create a punchline for the life of me. <laughs> but I can do the first half. And you need me for that reason. 
So I will create a character and I will find a relationship and a conflict and then you can make it funny. The You're the slapstick comedian. Yeah, that's true. I'm far better at physical comedy. So this wasn't comedy, but the, the improv of it was super fun. And the, the guy that I got to act with was really generous and great at, you know, adding to the scene too. I mean, we feel really comfortable. And, and did you do your... A typical Ingrid thing and send them a thank you note at the end? You know what? I told myself that I would at the end of their filming, which was four days long. And then I forgot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, no. But I did um, find that other actor on Facebook and reach out to him and say, nice to meet you. Good to work together. So, that's one of the two things. Hmm. But I got some good feedback. The The director pulled me aside at one point and was like, you're doing a really good job. Like, This is really great. Thanks. And well, that was nice. You didn't have to do that. Yeah, that's nice to get feedback. Will they show it to you when it comes out? I pres- I don't know. I just first real commercial. I don't know how it works. <laughs> that that would be another opportunity to say, "Hey, thanks for letting me be in this." this Actually, great. that's a good point. Maybe when I see it, I I have no idea. This shoot was supposed to happen in February, and then mm. it didn't because virus. So, I I don't know if that means that like the spot that they have this on the television has like changed or been moved or if they've renegotiated anything i have no idea so Hmm. i guess i'll just look it up on youtube every once in a while oh yeah how did you get called for it in the first place how did you find the opportunity i looked on backstage just as usual just the uh audition website i always go to Hmm. i had applied for a lot i mean they were pretty much all health spots one after another Hmm. And then I got a hmm. email back, which rarely happens. And that was really exciting. Oh, that's cool. So email is how they reach out to you. Oh, yeah. Are your, Is your information up on Backstage? Yes. Backstage is connected. It's connected to my email. You can also message on Backstage. That's usually how it first happens. They'll, like, reply to my application. And so there's, like, a little mail a little mail page within backstage. Mm. But I also get notification emails from backstage anytime anything happens. And truly, I get so many. Because anytime you mm. save a search, then you start getting emails connected to that search. So one time I email, I searched mm. NYC, Broadway, Mean Girls within a certain mm. like age limit. And then now I get emails from like every musical possibility. Mm of my age range that's useful still though right yeah yeah exciting to work in your field yeah yeah something else to add to your resume did you add it to your resume yet i think i still need to what's tricky about my resume is that it's very musical theater based right now and i have Mm -hmm. to decide what i want to do about that because i presume there'll be less musical theater this year so maybe i'll just find i'll have like two copies of my resume with one the TV stuff on top and one, the musical theater stuff on top. Yeah. Um, acting. I had some, yeah, I, I had some casting directors say like, don't put anything except musical theater on here. I don't care about anything else. Uh, but I'm young and I am green and I don't have a lot of things on my resume. So maybe it's fine to have both. That's what you went to the great white way for, right? Even though the Great White Way is empty right now. Oh, that's bad that it's called the Great White Way. We probably have to change that name. Why is it called the Great White Way? I was just going to ask you that. I have no idea. Shall I look it up? Maybe, uh, yeah. Is it because it's um, lit up? With white lights? 
Yeah, because of the lights. Oh, there's thegreatwhiteway.com. The Great White Way. That's hard to say. The Great White Way is a nickname for a section of Broadway in the Midtown section of New York City, specifically the portion that encompasses the theater district. Nearly a mile of nearly a mile of Broadway was illuminated in 1880 by brush arc lamps, making it amongst the first electrically lighted streets in that should be lit. The most the first electrically lit streets in the United States. The headline Found on the Great White Way appeared in uh, appeared on February third, nineteen o two, in the New York Evening Telegram. When there was lots of newspapers, well, there, okay. So it yeah, it has to do with the lights. This journalistic name was inspired by millions of lights on the theater marquees and billboards, um, especially around Times Square. Too bad it's not called the Great Light Way. That would be more accurate. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. That would make more sense. All right. Well, Broadway will call It's still called Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens. I have some ideas about like, hmm, should I try print modeling? Should I, try? I have to do voiceover stuff. I just, I'm dragging my feet to no end about putting together a voiceover. Recording. Putting together a voiceover reel. You know, I have a friend who speaks German and she has, she's a singer and she does voiceovers. She does a lot for Germany. Right. Of course, because she speaks German. But, you know, she lives here in L.A. and she does her recordings and sends them over to Germany. And they... mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll have to find different ways to be um, creative this year. But that was, a, that was a big step for this one. A new thing. Well, I'm glad for the news on Broadway. Yeah. Nice to have something, something a little new. And just like everything, hopefully it you know, leads to more things. It's always, I suppose, easier to get another commercial when you've had one. So. I did see a great encouraging Instagram post yesterday. I, I read that Instagram is the way that 68% of Gen Zers get their news. <laughs> But I am not Gen Z. Oh yeah, I'm Gen. I'm Gen X. Uh, you guys are Gen Z. No, Gen Z is Audrey's age. Um, I I get my news mm-hmm. via Instagram sometimes too. But one of the posts that I saw talked about how we should be doing our survival job when we're 25, be getting into a long term relationship in our 30s, be. Uh, establishing our career in our 40s and finding our passion in our 50s. (laughs) They said, don't rush your life's timeline. Don't try to do everything by the time you're 25. And I thought that is really freeing. In fact, I commented to my friend. I said, that's so great to hear that because I'm in my 50s and feel like I'm just finding my passion right now. So yay. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably way more. And I know that that I know that that has changed based on based on Mm -hmm. culture uh because uh yeah even 10 years ago i think it was far less heard of to not get married until you're 30 you know yeah uh not not start don't start having kids until you're 35 Mm -hmm. that was like wow Mm -hmm. that's old so um yeah but it does at least for now it's that seems more accurate so it's nice to know that that's okay not that we need permission but it's nice to hear that other people are doing it Right, yes. We don't need permission, but we often want it. Mostly just, it's nice to not be me. alone. Hello, me yeah. in particular. <laughs> Thanks, of course, for all your support, always. 
and hearing my story. Thanks for sharing your story. Glad for the news. Love you, Ingrid. High five. High five. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Hug and a High Five. Yep, thanks for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic, ask us a question, or share your mom-daughter story, please email us at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. All words, hug and a high five podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.